Let's read from God's Word, James chapter 1. And later on, Jeff's going to be opening up this portion. James 1 and verse 9. This is the Word of God. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. We thank God for his word to us. If you have a Bible with you, then please do open up in James chapter 1 as we continue to work our way through these next verses that Al has already read for us. Today we're in uh, James 1, 9 to 12, and really here, I, I think James has a message for the rich in the prayer. James has a message for the rich and the poor, and this is his message. James is trying to tell us that no matter your position now, whether rich or poor, remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. You were spiritually dead and are now alive with the hope of eternal life to come. So keep on course, keep trusting in Jesus, and let the trials bring about their full effect. Let's pray and ask God as we look at these verses together to help us. Father, as we come to your word, we know that we need your help. We need the Holy Spirit to give us understanding. And so, Lord, that's what we pray for now. We pray that your Spirit would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are ready to keep your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you remember back to how James started his letter, he started with a hard maths lesson, didn't he? Two weeks ago, we were thinking about that, the hard maths lesson. James had us back in the classroom, and he was teaching us how to count differently, how to count differently than the world counts. And James says that the Christian is to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Do you remember that? He's commanded us to think differently. So he is retraining us to count, but he was also preparing us for the class test that we said was coming. Then last week, we looked at how in order for us to be able to see the trials in this way, to be able to count them as joy, we needed help, didn't we? This is not a natural default position. We need help, and we need help from God. We need wisdom from God, because naturally, whenever we look at trials, we think loss. We don't see gain. We need God's wisdom for us to be able to see and count like this. But if we do come to God and ask in faith, well, then this God is generous, and He gives to us what we ask for. He gives us His wisdom that we need. Well, today it's as if James takes us back to the 
the maths textbook. You know the one that was handed out in that first week when James was trying to teach us how to count differently? It's as if he takes us back to the maths uh, textbook, and this time we're moving on to the worked example. You know the worked examples that you really need to be able to see how this plays out in practice. And for us this morning, as we look at the worked example, we might think this is a rather strange worked example. Because James seems to pick out wealth as his worked example, doesn't he? An example of the various trials that he mentions in verse 2. And initially, at least, I assume we're probably with him. We understand that, of course, someone who's in poverty, struggling to keep food on the table, struggling to pay their, 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 their monthly bills, to keep a roof over their head. Well, yes, that is indeed a trial, isn't it? And so we would say, yes, James, we, we understand that. But the strange and maybe the surprising thing is that James also seems to see that riches are a trial too. I'm sure that many of you think you would happily trade poverty for riches. But we would be foolish if we didn't recognize that trials and temptations come with both. So what does James have to say to the woman with much or the man with little? Well, let's have a a look. Verse 9, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. What James is saying is this. James is saying, don't get distracted by what's up close now and miss the much more important thing to come. That's what we were thinking about earlier, wasn't it? We can get so distracted with what's up close, whether it's the five pound or the 50 pound that we we miss it. There's a crown of, of infinite value that's just sitting to the side, but we can't see it. And James is saying, don't get distracted by what's up close. No, I miss the much more important thing to come. Look with me at verse 9. The, the first question that we have is what is James talking about when he talks about a, a lowly brother? What's our options? Well, it could mean that James is speaking of someone with a really humble attitude, okay? Maybe that's you. You think, ah, that's me, I've got the humble attitude. Maybe he's speaking of somebody with a lowly status. Or is he speaking of someone who does not have much money in the bank? Someone who is materially poor. And the only way that we can really understand this is by looking at the context and especially what follows. And we see that he compares the lowly person with the person who is rich. And so we can see that James here is speaking of the materially poor. It's likely that in the eyes of the world at that time, the materially poor meant that you also held a low social status. And in the eyes of the world, it looks like they would have nothing to boast about. What, you live in a house like that? And it's rented? And you do your shopping there in that supermarket? And you get the the supermarket brands? Yikes, what is there to boast about there? You see, the wisdom of the world tells us that in a situation like that, what is it that you could possibly boast about? And James says to his poor brothers, to the poor Christians, he says, you're to boast in your exaltation. Do you spot that? You're to boast in your exaltation. You're to boast in your being lifted up. That's what you're to boast in, your elevation. It's as if James is saying, okay, you might be poor here and now, but you have a heavenly status and your heavenly status is one worth boasting in. What is your heavenly status? Well, you're a child of God's 
And you have an inheritance of infinite value because you are in Christ Jesus. Now to the onlooker who looks on at your life, they might think, oh, that poor Christian, they have nothing to boast in. And James redirects us, doesn't he? And he says, oh, no, you do. Boast in your exaltation. Boast in who you are in Christ. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. And so I wonder, is that you this morning? Materially, maybe you're struggling. <laughs> Each week is, is long. Each month seems longer. And you look around and it seems like everyone else is getting on just fine. You know, they've got the cash, they've got the car, they've got the new couch, they've got the holiday cottage. And James says, don't hold your money up too close. Don't hold your money up so close that you don't see the really important thing that you actually do have. The thing that is of infinite value, the fact that you are part of the family of God. But what does James also say to the rich? Because he speaks to the rich brother as well, doesn't he? He too is to boast, but not in what you might expect. He's not to boast in his riches or his wealth. No, no, no. Verse 10, the rich in his humiliation. You see, in a world that we live in, it's the, it's the rich who catches people's eye, isn't it? It's the wealthy who are asked to take a seat at the table of power. It certainly intrigues me that so many of those who end up uh, with cabinet positions in Westminster, whenever you hear of their uh, tax returns and their personal wealth, well, it's staggering amounts, isn't it? And to us, it seems like if you want to be exalted, well, then money is the way to go. Earthly riches, surely that's what's going to get you a position. And yet the message that James has for the man or the woman who has plenty is this. You are to boast in your humiliation. What does he mean? Well, what's James really trying to say there when he uses those terms? Well, James is saying this. The rich are to boast in such a way is that shows that they are not trusting in their wealth to save them. They're not trusting in the riches that they have here and now before men. Blessed are the poor of, in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Well, it means that for the rich Christian, they have had to recognize that spiritually, they are bankrupt. Oh yeah, they might have lots of cash in the bank, but spiritually, they are bankrupt. And so for the rich Christian, what have they had to do? They have had to come before a holy God and they have had to cast themselves on the mercy of God, banking on his grace, nothing on what they have, but banking on God's saving act. You see, the trial for the poor man is obvious, isn't it? Can he continue to trust in God when things are hard? When there's little in the bank, will he keep trusting God? And that's a particular trial for sure. And some of you, that's the trial that you're experiencing at the moment. But the trial for the rich is this. When you go to the bank account and the numbers barely fit in the screen and you're not thinking, will I have enough for this week's grocery shop? When you never really have to compute that, the, the trial or the temptation, which is maybe a more helpful word in this case, is will I keep trusting God for all that I need, or will I start to become reliant on myself and think, I have got this sorted. I actually don't need to trust in God at all. <laughs> I can trust in what I've got in the bank. Putting their trust in riches as if riches is gonna bring them through death. 
Proverbs speaks to them both. Listen to uh, Proverbs. Proverbs is so helpful, isn't it? It gives us wisdom. It says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. See, here is the thing. James wants us to know that death is coming whether you're rich or whether you're poor. Like the flower of the grass, both will pass away. And when that moment comes, it doesn't matter whether your bank account is really full or whether your bank account is pretty much empty. It doesn't matter what car you drive, which supermarket you shop in, whether you get the own brands or whether you go for the real expensive brands. It doesn't matter whether you are seen as rich or seen as poor in the eyes of men. What is going to matter is how you're seen in the eyes of the Creator God that you will find yourself standing before. What's going to matter is whether you cried out like the tax collector and said, have mercy on me, a sinner, because I've got nothing to bring to the table. What's going to matter is if you have been exalted to the position of being a child of God. That's what's going to matter. That's what's going to matter. Verse 11, look with me. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls, its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Now, what James is saying here isn't something brand new, okay? If the disciples who read this letter know their Old Testament, this is the kind of message that they've heard many times before. They'll, they'll recognize it's the same kind of message. Life is fleeting. It passes quickly. It's basically the summary, isn't it? Listen to these words from Isaiah. Sounds like James is picking up on these. It says, all flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but surely the word of our God will stand forever. You see, what James is saying here isn't something brand new, okay? It wasn't going to be new to his hearers. But boy, is it something that we need to be reminded of. They need to be reminded of, and we need to be reminded of. I was listening to the, the radio recently, and it was talking a, a, about a man who has made an absolute fortune uh, as a young man in the tech industry, and he's dedicated the rest of his life to trials to see how he can prolong his life. He's currently 45, and he wants the body of an 18-year-old. And he is willing to spend two million pounds a year to see if he can make it happen. As if living longer here is the most important thing. And actually, as Isaiah reminds us, it's the breath of God that brings the end to life. It is the Lord who gives and the Lord who takes away. Isn't that what Job said? We're not the ones who decide. We're not the ones who are in control. And so it doesn't really matter which anti-aging cream you've been using. It doesn't really matter, in one sense, how healthy you've been throughout your life. It doesn't matter how many millions you've plowed into research to try and extend your life, because one day, the flower will fade. One day, the grass will wither. And James gives this as a warning, because how many people give themselves completely to making more and more and more? 
to building bigger and bigger stashes of cash in the bank, but they forget all about the life to come. They forget all about eternal riches. They get the five, they get the 50, they get the 500, they get the 5,000, and they just keep piling it up in front of them, but they do not recognize that there is something of infinitely more value that is incredibly important, the crown of life. They're rich to themselves, oh, absolutely, but they are not rich towards God. They have not humbled themselves before God, crying out, asking God to save them. And so they have been blinded by the things of this world to what is of infinitely more value. And remember this morning, James is just giving us one worked example. His worked example is wealth, but maybe for you it's, it's something else. Maybe it's physical fitness. Maybe it's sports achievement. Maybe it's a political win. Maybe it's body image. Maybe it's exam grades. And James' message is, don't hold them too close. Don't hold them so close that you do not see what is of infinite value, the crown of life. Because all of these things, they will fade away, won't they? That's what James says. Apparently in the Middle East, when James would have been writing this, there was particular flowers that bloomed in the morning, but with a scorching heat, what happened was by, by evening, the petals had all faded, they'd all shrunk, and they dropped off, and that was it. They were gone. What a visual reminder, isn't it? James says, so will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. You hear that? In the midst? There he is. He's working away. He's, he's toiling away, and suddenly, life is over. Now, please don't get me wrong, work is, is not bad, absolutely not. In fact, Adam was put in the garden to work and to keep it, and Eve was there to help him. But the problem is this. The problem is when the pursuit is riches, but ignoring God, refusing to be rich towards God. You see, James seeks to encourage the poor Christians, doesn't he? He says to the poor Christian Think about this. Think about your heavenly status. That's what's going to keep you going in the midst of, of, of suffering and trials. And many of those who read this that he was writing to, they were in that position. But James also wants to warn the rich, doesn't he? He says, don't get so caught up in the things of this world that you're not ready for the life to come. Because many, many, many brothers and sisters have started out looking like they're following Jesus. And what has happened well, the deceitfulness of wealth has choked the word, making it unfruitful. It looked like they were starting off following Jesus, but then the things of the world just lured them in a completely different direction. And James wants us to know that trials come in various shapes and sizes. Some come with empty bank accounts, and some come with full ones. And whenever the trial that comes your way, by the good providential hand of God, we need to ask God for wisdom. We need God's wisdom to know how to respond appropriately. Verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. As James writes to this displaced group of Christians, this people who have been divided and scattered, what is it that he really wants them to know? Well, this is what he really wants. He really wants to encourage them. 
to encourage them in their faith, to remain steadfast in their faith, not to throw in the towel. Yes, things are difficult. Yes, there's trials. Yes, there's temptations. And they come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, some of them maybe even surprising. But James says, keep on keeping on. Keep trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep serving him. Keep giving over all of you to him. How did James start? Start by saying he was a servant, a slave to Jesus, all of him given over. Because although the tests are hard, the rewards are out of this world. Do you spot that? The crown of life. That is the crown that is life. And so do you see what is at stake? It is life itself. That is what is at stake. I mean, throughout John's gospel, we've been thinking about that so often, haven't we? Eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, well, you know the end, don't you? Eternal life. Eternal life. And it's this eternal life that is being talked about here. And this is what James sets before believers and says, remember the prize. Keep it pinned up on your wall. Know that this is what the prize is. Life, resurrection life. Because for those who follow Jesus, who persevere in the faith, this is what is promised, isn't it? That doesn't mean that it's somehow earned. No, it's, it's evidence of real belief. It's evidence of real faith. But for those who persevere through trials, who remain steadfast, continuing to trust in Christ, and what has been already achieved for them, they will get the crown. It will happen. They will get the crown. God will deliver. And you can trust on him. You can bank on him. But I want you to notice one last thing. Look, it says, the steadfastness, this keeping on trusting in the midst of of all the trials of life, it's not just motivated by the crown of life. It comes as an outworking of the love that they have for God. Do you spot that? Do you see that? Which God has promised to those who love him. That's really the key. And so my question to you this morning is this. Do you really love God? Do you really love God? That's the question, isn't it? This steadfastness and faith, this keeping on trusting, it comes out of a love for God. And so whether you're rich or poor this morning, do you love God? Because if you do not love God, well then, you're not one of the blessed. If you do not love God, well then, it doesn't really matter how you're going to respond in trials, in the grand scheme of things. If you do not love God, then you will not receive the crown of life. And so the question is, do you love him? But if you do, if you're saying, yes, Jeff, I, I do, I love him. Well, then you're fleeting earthly lot, whatever it might be. And they are trials, trials being poor, trials being rich. It's not really the main thing. The main thing for you to leave this morning thinking about is the gospel. The main thing is that you have been undeservedly welcomed into the heavenly kingdom and that the trials that you're experiencing are to shape you to become more and more like Christ because that's what you will take with you.
into the kingdom to come. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that we live in a world where we experience trials, trials that do come in various shapes and sizes, and sometimes the trials that we experience surprise us because we, we don't expect them to be trials or temptations at all, and yet, that is what they are, and you lead us in a way so that we are to mature in faith, to mature as believers. And so, Father, I pray for all of us here, whether today we're materially rich or materially poor, whether we're more likely to be tempted to feel humiliation or feel self-reliant, Lord, I pray that we would be trusting in Jesus Christ for our salvation and recognizing the good gift of the crown of life that awaits for all of us who continue in the faith. Father, might this encourage us to keep on keeping on, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.